1: Back to Earth Station Trek, a show where we trek from the early days on NBC to the future on Paramount Plus and everywhere in between. I'm Charles Kelso, and it's my privilege to introduce the Earth Station Trek crew: Keith Johnson, greetings all; Alan Siler, Zindy, Elaine Sweatman, <laughs> hi; and Matt Sweatman, hello; and Veronica Dashel. <laughs>
0: you almost left me out.
1: <laughs> There's too many names. <laughs> wow! <laughs> Welcome the back, stole everybody. My high. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And we're back tonight. We're going to be talking about uh, Star Trek Enterprise Season 3. But first, we got a little bit of news
2: this week. Boy, we have got some news this week. The big story from this week is that Michelle Yeoh is now the first Asian-American actor ever to be nominated for Best Actor Oscar. Wow. Amazing. Amazing. Isn't that yeah, unbelievable? She was absolutely. nominated for her performance in Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Yeah.
0: As she should be. <laughs> As she amazing. should be. Right. Yes, yes. Yeah.
2: And that movie itself got, I think, a total of 11 nominations mm-hmm. in different categories. So mm-hmm. that's that awesome. Yeah.
0: Yes
1: yeah i i I love that she's getting the recognition finally that she deserves right and i mean same for kiwi kwan because i mean i've loved him since i was both of the movies that he was a kid actor in i was a kid watching at the same time (laughs) 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 i was like i I love that he's getting the the accolades as well and yeah yeah, how great for both of them and you know for you know the asian american community in general right absolutely
2: And there's one other thing that there's actually four things. So I'm going to here's number three. The brand new final trailer for Picard season three is just days away. It's going to be released January 29th during the AFC championship game on CBS.
0: Yeah. I was also... so confused during that commercial when they were showing, and then they were showing cl- clips of football, <laughs> and I couldn't see people's faces, so I was like, are they playing football in Star Trek? What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, know.
1: I know. I remember when sci-fi went big on wrestling, so I'm used to that sort of thing. I'm just waiting for the Star <laughs> Trek <clips. laughs>
2: Exactly. And to tie in with that, there's also a, a big Terry Metallus interview in the new SFX magazine issue in which he talks a lot. Well, without giving anything away, really, about season three. He talks about how the three main villains are going to work, the nature of the big event that sets the stage for season three. And he hints at the possible fate of the TNG characters beyond this season. Wow. Oh, wow. wow. So look for that um there's some big news for fans of eagle moss which is the company that has been for like a long time producing all kinds of different star trek and other properties uh they would they did a whole line of ships they did all kinds of stuff and they went under last year well uh product lines from Eagle Moss are now being resurrected by two different brands. The build the enterprise D program is being taken over by D Agostini, which is an Italian um, company through their fan home brand, which has just officially relaunched the, that program. And later this year, models from the popular line of hero collector, star Trek starships will be going on sale again through Heathside's Master Replicas brand, and Eagle awesome. Moss's former head of licensed products, Ben Robinson, is working as a consultant with both of those companies. Awesome.
0: Excellent. Right.
3: It's ironic because this is one of these examples of bad timing. I literally, yeah. last year, was just about to subscribe to Eagle Moss when I start you, reading about, hey, they're going to go under. <laughs> that, that would have kept them afloat.
2: I don't know. I I lot from all of us.
1: I bought my very first Eagle Moss model. And like the next week it was like, and now Eagle Moss is closed. I
2: was like,
0: so so Keith, it wouldn't have mattered.
2: Yeah. Chuck tried. Uh, Oh, okay. (laughs) And then I've got one final thing. And that is Star Trek online has launched its latest season refractions on uh, PC on January 24th, two days ago with uh, new consoles coming at a later date. With the new update, players will be be able to experience the conclusion of the ongoing Terran Gambit storyline. The new season features the return of Will Wheaton from Star Trek Next Generation, voicing Terran Emperor Wesley Crusher, and Star Trek Deep Space Nine's Chase Masterson as Terran Admiral Lita. And for the first time, Gates McFadden... Makes her debut. She lends her voice as uh, Taryn, Doctor Beverly Crusher, and there is a trailer available to uh, so you'll know what the storyline is. And it sounds like she and her son are on opposite sides.
4: That does he sound like.
2: Try and take him down. Okay, so, could be good. Awesome, and that's
1: the news. All right. Well, let's take a quick break to promote a fellow ESO Network podcast show. And then when we come back, we'll be talking about Star Trek Enterprise Season 3. So stay right there.
5: So, Brittany, Martha,
6: (laughs) tell me about your podcast. Oh, no. (laughs) It's like, we're in sync, but also kind of a disaster. And we are always a disaster. So our podcast is fun if you want to hear two people talk about and complain about <laughs> stuff that <laughs> a they lot of love and also hate. And drink. And drink.
3: And the show is and called... Oh. <laughs> but,
6: but first, let's, let's talk nerdy. And you can find us on the ESO Network. Bye-ding. See you next Tuesday. <laughs>
1: And we're joined tonight by Matt and Elaine Sweatman again. We're
2: Hello, champion. Matt and Elaine.
5: Hello, hey, welcome back, guys. Yes, we never left. Yeah. We've been sitting from <laughs> our computers <laughs> <laughs> all week, letting the you know, cool.
0: That's hilarious. I believe it. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> and now you guys recently went through and 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 just like sort of, I mean, marathon through Enterprise season three. Enterprise.
2: Enterprise. Yeah. What did yeah, I say? They yes. Started. Well, they they've done the whole series, not oh, just season yeah, yeah. three. Oh, I
6: got you. We're we're in season four now, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Not well, quite. I had you had you seen season three before? No, I've not seen any
5: of these before.
1: Okay, really? so it's all been a first yeah. time watch for you.
5: Yeah. I, I had I had seen them the first half of the season when it aired, but I had forgotten so much about it. It was like I hadn't seen it before. Okay. Nice. Awesome. Well,
1: yeah. awesome. awesome, That's kind of how I am with Enterprise as well. Like I was, I was, I was inter- intermittent at that point in Enterprise Season 3. And it's not a show I revisit a whole lot because, like I said before on the show, I wasn't a big fan. And yeah. I, I quit watching Enterprise while it was on and I would come back s- and try one out and that sort of thing. So was, for a lot of these episodes, I hadn't seen or I hadn't seen in 20 years. So um, it was a pretty fresh watch for me as well.
3: Mm. So am I the only one who watched it in first run? No, man, I did. Okay, I thought it was you. No, I did. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, and it was so wild watching because It was so different Mm. in so many ways from what I'd seen before. Yeah. Yeah, totally. uh,
6: I wasn't going to say I wasn't aware of it, but no, I was, because I remember hearing that Scott Bakula was going to be in it, and I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting, but I never did watch any of it. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah. So it's interesting because um, landing Scott Bakula was, they got a lot of press out of that. Mm -hmm. and there was a there was a lot of other they did a real big press push on the launch of enterprise and the first episode got like 12 million viewers Mm -hmm. which was monstrous for a a trek show at that time now that tapered off you know a pretty good bit (laughs) Mm -hmm. i think
0: the next week was like 1.2 million or something no
2: it wasn't that bad (laughs)
0: But it, was, it, was, it was it was
2: three or four million the next the, yeah. without a yeah. week or two. Okay, it was, mm-hmm. it was pretty bad. And the following right. week, they had negative sixteen million. <laughs> 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 they had
1: two, Keith and Allen. <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
2: Oh my gosh! And so, me, I was watching with the with the first season. Yeah, so. I was too. I was yeah. too. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so having watched especially for Elaine, having watched Enterprise for the first time, from the first episode on, mm-hmm. you've hit the beginning of season three. Mm-hmm. So what's your impression of Enterprise up to that point?
6: Like the show as a whole? I the was show en- as a whole. I was enjoying it. I mean, there was, like with any show, there were some episodes that were kind of like, eh. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> the, 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 the one big Thing that bothered me w- with the beginning of season three, and I've commented on this several times. It's the theme song. Why did you change it? I had just gotten used to it and started to like it, and then you yeah. made it some pop something in a season that was supposed to be serious.
4: I mean, the right. tempo no they kind of added. Yeah, yeah and
6: it was just weird. I'm like, I don't it like is. this. I don't like this. I don't like it. So it, take mean, it, back. it made it back. no sense. No. You know no. that
2: they 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 basically took um Russell Watson's vocal they didn't change anything but that and they just put a new backing track to it but mm-hmm. the new backing track feels jauntier and it feels lighter and yeah. it feels yeah. Yeah. you know a little more fun as and there's i as, think there's
6: a background singer somewhere in there too that's echoing his vocals or, well, that's what it sounds like
2: right but they do this they make that change at a time when florida is being obliterated from the face <laughs> of the globe and the uh,
4: state has I,
2: disappeared now, I grew up there, so I celebrated I too. too, but <laughs> 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 Kidding. I felt bad for all the alligators.
1: <laughs> yeah, you'd expect for if they were going to change the theme tune for the Zindi yeah. arc, a little more militaristic, a little more yeah. even something James Horner-ish would work, you know, something right. like, you know, Star Trek six theme kind of a thing.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, like they did with um, DS9, going mm-hmm. into season four when they're going into a, a the war arc, and they change the theme song mm-hmm. to make it more urgent, to make it more a little bit more militaristic, to give it that pulse that it didn't mm-hmm. have before, and right. it fit.
0: Um, yeah. yeah, I I I didn't notice when DS9 theme song changed. That's true, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure I didn't notice when the Enterprise theme song changed when we were watching oh, it. Veronica. Oh, that was the first thing. As, and, soon as, it,
6: when, as soon as it went to it, I was like, oh, no, 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 no. What did they do to no?" Yeah.
0: And for a very, very long time, I thought all of the Star Trek theme songs were the same.
5: Okay. Oh, dear Lord. Jerry <laughs> <laughs> oh, goes through them all. <laughs> <laughs> so the you see what first, I'm working with over here. For
0: <laughs> <laughs> the first time, I was like, hey, this is a different song. Just goes like, yes
1: well let, let's i mean let's start with uh i mean the beginning of the zendi arc with the attack on earth yeah baby mm. um yeah i mean my first thought it doesn't make a lot of sense no like, i mean i you know if if you're, mm-hmm. you're okay assuming that you're gonna build a death ray to destroy the earth why would you test the miniature death ray on the earth
3: yeah and let them know that they're gonna and then, and then they're gonna come <laughs> looking for you out of all the places to test you test your little death ray i have seen so, people Try to answer that online because I raised that question too. It. it literally is the most mm-hmm. glaring error in the entire series. And then they made some they've said some stuff about, well, you know, something like the unique composition of the Earth and blah blah blah. That's not true. It's really like you said, it's literally a death ray. And they could have experimented on an asteroid or some planet anywhere. And you're right. And the truth is they never would have known And they did. Right. Right.
2: Right. They yeah. did. But they still There's- had to send a prototype over to Earth. To no. to yes. Earth.
5: Now, did they in the dialogue specifically say that was a test run and not a failed first attempt to destroy the Earth?
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it yeah, was the test run because okay. it didn't have the power to destroy yeah, I mean, the Earth, which is why I carved that path right. from Florida all the way down to South America, right? Well, Florida to Cuba, hmm. I think. Cuba? Which also is a tactically,
1: I mean, as an area to attack, it's a lot of water in there with yes, no pressure. Right, right. <laughs> you know, if yeah. you're going to, if, if you're. If you're trying to kill humans, but I mean the whole thing, yeah. I mean yeah, yeah. never, I mean, forgetting the fact that you can just hurdle, I mean a, a sufficiently sized rock at the earth to render it uninhabitable, <laughs> you don't have a yeah. death ray. I just the, yeah. the whole death ray thing
2: it just th- throws me. So yeah. basically, so basically, mm-hmm. season three is ruined in the first 30 seconds.
4: <laughs> yeah. That was in the, the season whole two finale. season
2: is
3: invalidated. <laughs> No, I know, I know. <laughs> yeah, it is true, isn't it, that this whole thing is literally an allegory for, for a 9-11, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was all inspired yeah. by the attack on the World That's Trade right. Center and the Pentagon in the United mm-hmm. States at that time.
1: Yeah, and then the ensuing war on terror and invasion of Iraq. I mean, uh, it, um, there's a lot yeah. of those themes are explored yeah. in the show in one way or another.
4: Yeah.
6: Exactly. Huh. That's probably something that would have, I don't want to say made more sense, but if I had been watching it back when it first aired. Right. I may have made that connection a little mm-hmm. bit more than
4: yeah.
6: watching it 20 years later and not really putting those pieces together. Cause I'm not watching it with, in that current event.
4: Mm-hmm.
6: Sure. Mind yeah. Frame.
4: Yeah. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. Of course, yeah. 20 years
6: ago. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. Not, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it, uh, that's not fresh on my mind thinking, Oh, I see what they're doing here
4: too.
6: Mm-hmm. Okay. We're going to go after these people in this, nebula yeah. area the expanse and we mm-hmm. don't know why they're doing this okay right yeah at right, the time
1: yeah. it was very apparent mm-hmm. that, that was right they were doing yeah because it, it yeah. was yeah. Yeah. current news mm-hmm. um, yeah. but i think i mean character wise i think the attack works especially you know heightening the the urgency of the show and for for a character perspective for trip losing a sister in the attack
5: but, oh yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, um, an interview Keith had shared uh, with John Billingsley pointed something out which I didn't realize. Manny Cotto was brought in this this season. Mm-hmm.
2: That is and correct, he
5: had, and he had worked on twenty four. So I can see his fingerprints uh-huh. all over this season's story art. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right.
2: Yeah. Right. yeah. Mm-hmm. right. Okay. So here's here's another thing. This is going right into the beginning of episode one. So the attack on earth makes no sense because why advertise that you're going to attack earth later. Mm -hmm. So they, they prep the ship and um, they're going to sail off to the expanse and they've been sailing off for like six weeks. Right. Mm -hmm. Hoshi comes into the mess hall and introduces herself to the 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 Mako's. They've been on this <laughs> shit for six <laughs> weeks. You know? How have they possibly? I mean, and they have to have yeah. food. How have no, how have these people not met the Mako's before now? Yes, mm-hmm. I yeah, mean, I weird. know that I know that that's a, a a mechanism to introduce the Mako's to the audience, right? But you have just said that we're six weeks into our mission and we're not even close to the expanse yet. And, and this uh, isn't the enterprise D there's something like 85 people on, on enterprise. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know,
1: there's not, it's not yes. a thousand people where you can get lost in the court, <laughs> get lost in a crowd. <laughs>
4: right. Yeah.
5: Yeah. And I thought when uh, you talked about the only 85 crew members, plus whatever the Makos are, when they talk about 20 some odd people having been killed, that's a sizable chunk that has to affect yeah. the oper- how the operations of your ship. And they can't can't easily replenish uh, personnel because they're in the Expanse. Mm
2: -hmm. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I'll tell you... Mm -hmm, Go
3: ahead. uh, uh, Mentioning the Makos, I think and we'll get into this. The season three of this show is divisive and controversial for a lot of people. Some of it has to do with, and I will get into this again, I've often posited the question which captain violated the spirits and the principles of what would become Starfleet protocols worse it cisco and the pale of moonlight or archer what he does in the series but at the same time since no, this I is can- not yeah this is not <clears throat> excuse, this is not yet gene rottenberry's perfect future of tng so i think they get a little leeway in being more quote-unquote human than maybe perhaps carding them with because there are some things that happen in this this season that are amazing and i actually like the inclusion of the Mako's because I've always been someone as yes. much as I love the optimism yeah. and the you know positivity of Gene Roddenberry. I also know that the truth is you got to protect yourself, right. and mm-hmm. the Makos are something that shouldn't have been there because they were Earth was attacked. They just made sense, and I love everything about the Makos. I love how they look. I love their weapons. Yeah. I love how they move. I mean, they are quite amazing. Um, I'm a huge fan of the series Star Blazers slash Space Battleship Yamato. Mm -hmm. And they had brought on literally space marines, which, gosh, and even things like uh, James Cameron's alien movies, you had literally space marines and the Makos are the closest (laughs) to space marines. And I just I thought they were a great addition to the show.
2: Yeah, I I agree that my only problem was that they didn't really do much with individual characters except yeah. for major Hayes, right, he's the right. only one that really like had any kind of presence on the show and the underlings sort of like were were bit players who just they, they hired up for each yeah. episode so in the first episode they introduced this guy who was from duluth and he's got this sweet little southern accent, and Hoshi's having a good time talking to him and everything. And then you never see him again. <laughs> right.
5: Yep. Yeah. Well, if she hangs out in Hoshi's circle, she's not going to get a whole lot of screen time on this show. So <laughs> <laughs> <That's true. laughs> Now, Matt. <laughs> he's not wrong. It could have been worse. She uh, could have hung out. He could have come out with Mayweather. So thank that you. Worse.
1: <laughs> <laughs> thank you. So yeah, it does if- seem like there should have been a contingent of Makos on the ship from the beginning. On the, yes, yes. the, the Earth's first ship going into deep deep space. And maybe right. they you, know, you wouldn't have had all the scenes of Archer losing fist fights and things like that. But right. I mean right. interesting right. at this point though, it does. I mean, it's something I don't think they explored as much as I would have liked on the show. But introducing Mm -hmm. them now, you've got these, you know, West Point military guys, but they're not experienced with dealing with space
4: things. Mm -hmm. And I
1: would like I would love to have seen more of that. That is a good point. Mm -hmm. Well, they did it a little bit in the Hatchery episode. But I mean, these guys, I mean, they're way more competent from a tactical point of view than our guys are. And that's just to me obvious. Um, Sorry, uh, Reed, but that's true.
4: (laughs) 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 Absolutely. Thank you for
2: bringing up Reed, because they they keep making attempts to make him an interesting character and it Mm. fails every damn time. (laughs) And this whole like this whole competitive thing with between him and Major Hayes was so uninteresting. Yeah,
4: he just came. Oh, my
2: God. Yeah, Well, and they they would do that storyline with Odo from time to time where Eddington right.
1: or another Starfleet guy and Odo's yes. – mm. but I never felt like that – like Eddington should have replaced Odo. But I felt like Major Hayes really should have replaced Reed. I think that he was way more competent. A hundred percent. And more likable.
3: <laughs> yeah. And also, right. if, you, if you look at – to your point, if you look at the, the reality of what they're doing, um, Reed is not just responsible for security in terms of a group of men and women. He's also responsible for ship security. That includes mm-hmm. – you know, phase weapons, the phasers, missiles, shields, and so forth, or shielding, because they have hull plating. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you kind of think he should be, really, Reed should be the guy who sits in staff meetings with the captain and discusses security. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. in the same room, there should be, like, one person in charge of the ship security, phasers, weapons, shielding. Mm-hmm. And then the, another guy, which should be Hayes, talking about the, the, the mm-hmm. physical security team. Mm-hmm. So I agree, because it, it's kind of weird to see Reed going from programming missiles or photon, or torpedoes, them basically getting pissed because Reed and his team were better shots yeah. with those phase rifles than he is, and like you said, right. of course they are, <laughs>
1: right? Well, I mean, yeah, th- yeah but I mean, yeah. Worf would have done the same thing. Wor- Worf fired the torpedoes and also led, yes, you know, away missions, mm-hmm. you know, what yeah. I mean, or it was the security on away missions, you know. Mm-hmm. But they, they had that scene where Reed, I mean, where Hayes went over Reed's head to Archer, yeah, and,
4: mm-hmm. and
1: it insisted that. The, the senior staff needed more weapons training, and Reed's all pissy about it. And then Reed actually like flunked when he tried to do it. Like, what well, right. you do, man? Like, listen to the Marine guy. You're going into a yeah. combat situation.
5: Yeah,
2: right. yeah, exactly.
5: Well, I should. I thought they should have de- delineated their about the right word their responsibilities more. Like, Reed was responsible mm-hmm. for the. on the ship for like ship to ship battles on, on, even on on ship. And then the the Marines are responsible for any excursions, any away missions uh, for security there. That was sort of what they were trained for. Exactly. That's That's what I felt too. mm -hmm.
3: Right. Yeah. I agree with you. Um, uh, it's funny. I did not expect that we'd be talking about the Makos so much. Isn't it amazing? <laughs> it's
2: like everybody <laughs> but it's a it's a cool addition to the show. It's something that's yeah. unique to Enterprise. Mm. And then when you see it, you're like, wait a minute. Why didn't every show have this? Mm. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Why weren't there specialists? I mean, yes, you have your security team, but you know, they always let aliens invade the ship and all this other kind of nonsense. You should have. <laughs> you should have a more specialized. Trained a, attack group, basically. Yeah, and yeah, the, yeah. you should have yeah. your Navy SEALs on there. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. And I never really thought about it until I saw him on Enterprise, and I'm like, "Well, that, well, that makes sense." <laughs>
3: right. Yeah. Yeah. So, question, Matt and Elaine, as 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 you get into this, what is obviously going to become a uh, obviously was going to become an epic, and I don't know. How, I forget how familiar you guys who are with Deep Space Nine, but something that's obviously going to become a long arc, you know, an arc of um, mm-hmm. battles and, and so forth. What did y'all think about it? Were you interested in it? Were you excited where, where this might go when you first got into this whole Xenia arc?
6: You can go first, Matt.
5: Okay. <laughs> oh, I was, was going to let you answer, <laughs> but yeah, I um, no, I, I really thought it brought focus to the show. The first two hmm. seasons, other than like once in a blue moon, they would mention the temporal cold war. Uh-huh. <laughs> Uh, but other than that, there was very little focus to what they were doing, and all and instantly with the last episode of the second season and that attack by the Zindi, then that's what the focus of the show became for that full season. Yes, mm-hmm. and even so, so it helped bring lesser episodes because there was still something in each episode to tie into the overall arc. You couldn't miss. You couldn't skip an episode in the third season like you could in the first two seasons. Right. So mm-hmm. i I enjoyed right. that. I enjoyed that aspect of it.
3: Awesome. Um,
6: I'll agree yes. with yeah,
3: I'll agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so y'all are actually excited about this uh coming up at the time. Yes, yes.
5: Plus I were getting episodes that I was less familiar with too, so I was excited about mm-hmm. that aspect of it as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, you know, I will say that it's always fun to watch a Star Trek episode, especially a classic Star Trek episode that you've not seen, you know? Yes. Um mm-hmm. or that you don't remember. Like, oh, like I don't know what exactly is gonna happen next. This is kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Right.
6: Well, it was nice to see different aliens like it was not Klingons and it was not Vulcan. Uh, well, other than T'Pol. But, you know, it was new ones I had not ever seen before. Right. Especially, you know, so that was yeah. interesting to see this new set of out there people.
2: <laughs> out there <people. laughs> Elaine, <Well, Helene, laughs> what did you think of the Zendi?
6: Um, which one?
2: <laughs> right, right. <laughs> all of them. Yes,
6: all of them. Um, the the reptilians. That's the one I. The I was really impressed with their makeup and their, yeah. especially the lead, the one, the main guy. I was just really yeah. impressed with, and even the lesser ones. It did. It looked like they did not. Did not. My cats are fighting again.
4: <laughs> <did not, laughs> <laughs>
6: Yeah,
1: That's I mean, I, I, I like the Zindi, um, the, the reptilians, a little galaxy questions, though. They're a, a, a little, uh, they remind me of the yeah. Galaxy Quest bad, especially when at uh-huh. the end, when they're, they're in the the, sh- the big spinny thing on the ship and the, <gasps> destroy the earth, you know, That's right?
6: <laughs> well, more acting than makeup and all of that. I yeah. did like the, the, um, I can't remember the whale, the water one, aquatics. The, the aquatics, the aquatics. Yeah. The aquatics. Yeah. I like You can them. just I say whales. See more. <laughs> I wanted to see more of them. I liked them. They yeah, me were very too. wise and, you know, um yeah. Th- th- yeah.
3: thoughtful to a fault.
6: Mm-hmm. Uh yeah. incredible
3: ships. I mean, just the beautiful one of the most beautiful ships I've ever seen in Star Trek was the aquatic ship.
6: Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, wanted, I wanted more of them and to learn more about them and how they came into being part of the yes. and
5: everything. I like what oh, a lot. Speaking really of the aquatic have, ships, I just wanted to bring up I love the way when they had the battle and they would penetrate the water areas of the ship, and you see the water come out. It was a very, <laughs> very cool effect. Yeah, no, well, I agree. CG, but I love that. I yeah. love that a lot. Yeah,
1: well, that was a good use of the CG of the time. Yeah, I mean, there's some elements of the season I didn't think the CG was particularly well used or needed. But and as, as far as like bringing the aquatics and their ships to life, I thought that worked out really well. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. I grew to really like Degra over the course of the season, <laughs> uh, right right. I thought, I thought he was effective, especially I mean really the turning point for him was when they kidnapped him and yeah. and tricked mm-hmm. him, you know, yeah. but I mean, that's what you need. like I mean when you think of the Dominion, you think of like Yun, you know, uh-huh. and you think mm-hmm. of the founder, and you know what I mean, like you need the characters that you can grab onto, and i they, I, I did think they mm-hmm. took a little long into the season before I really felt invested in any of the Zendi themselves, yeah right? mm-hmm.
2: agreed. Yeah, yeah, but I think that I think that they were trying to keep them as others. They were right. You know, they weren't really because like on DS9, you have entire I mean, you have some scenes in Enterprise where it's all the aliens. It's all right. the enemy. But you have in DS9, you have like whole scenes that are devoted to these characters, like whole halves of an episode that are carried by the supporting characters by the, the adversarial characters. And you don't really see that in this. And I would Mm -hmm. really like to have known more. I mean, we get a little bit of the history uh, and the culture of the Zindi, but I would like to have known more, Mm -hmm. you know, I just think we needed to, to know more about them.
6: It almost seemed like there was one episode and one scene where they were talking about the avians and how they're now extinct. We almost learned more about them and they're not even (laughs) Zindi anymore. They're extinct. Than we did the rest of them.
2: I really would like to have seen avians Mm. in a flashback or in Mm -hmm. when someone is recounting the story of like, you know, my grandfather would tell me Mm -hmm. stories about how there were so numerous that they blotted out the sun, you know, when they flew in the sky, I would love to have seen some of those scenes depicted, you know, right. all we got was like a cow skull where they told us mm-hmm. this is the skull of a Zindi bird, you know, Yeah, yeah.
1: I, I did like that, I think it's it, them having sort of the, the shared sort of myth of the, of the avians. Yeah. I thought it was effective and I, when they were uh, at the, the former avian base or whatever uh, it was, you know, there at the end, I thought, uh, I yes. thought it was effective. I thought it gives sort of a history and mythology to the Zindi. I thought that was kind of cool.
2: I did love that at the end when they were having like uh, the, the meetings with Archer and everything, and they need neutral territory, they go to one of the abandoned aviaries. Mm-hmm. That yes. was really, right. really cool. Right. I wish that they had sort of, I mean, they were great sets. I wish they had been a little more different, mm-hmm. you know, because, yeah. you know, when you're in it, it just kind of seems like a conference room in some hallways. I wish that it <laughs> I feel seemed...
0: like avians, there should have been, like, perches or something. Right. Yeah. Exactly right.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Something
2: different like that.
0: Yeah.
3: yeah. One thing, we, we talked about the different species of the zendi and the Reptilian. One thing that I've noticed, it's not the Star Trek, yet, and I, this is an absolute human prejudice because we haven't seen any other species but ourselves. But I don't think I've ever seen a science fiction property anywhere. Were beings descended from reptiles aren't evil, right? We're just mean, and it's as it's, if, you know, it's, it's as, as if when if you think about it, basically we're saying, well, you got snakes and you got mm-hmm. iguana and you or and you got Komodo dragons, you got crocodiles and alligators, right? Mm-hmm. And and then they'll they'll basically evolve into mean, intelligent, violent creatures, and I sometimes think. They don't have to become that way anymore than, well, we're violent species, but like as Kirk said, we don't have to be all the time. And so and that way, the the reptilians come off as just a little cliche because reptilians are always evil in science fiction. Exactly.
2: And that's one of the points that I made when we did our Zindi episode. I Mm -hmm. wish that they had kind of flipped that stereotype on its head to where the, the, (laughs) the bug people and the lizard people were the good guys. And the people people Mm -hmm. and the and the the sloth people were the bad guys. Now, you can't do that because one of your bad one of your good guys would be a completely CGI character. And you can't Mm -hmm. spend the money to have them on screen all the time. And the other one is such a heavy prosthetic makeup. Right. You you have to do the sloth people and the people as your good guys because they work on screen. But it's such a shame that that Mm -hmm. is the way it had to be because having the good guys be the ones that you don't expect to be the good guys would have been That's so cool. effective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Good guys.
0: It also <laughs> seems so strange to me that five different intelligent species all evolved on the same planet and they didn't try and wipe out each other or no, they succeed. Oh, they did. Oh, yeah, but, uh, Wiping out each other. Like- I mean, yes. Okay, so the... The, they succeeded in wiping out the avians,
1: right? Well, they but, they tried, and I think the losing the avians, I, th- I think, was what caused them to. Put but the how did they together. get
0: to a point where they mm. were that intelligent that they could wipe out another entire species? Before they wiped out another entire species, <laughs> where there were where they were where there were six of them. Five, well,
2: because they they all. Know. Because they all like, I guess, evolved intelligently at the same pace. So they were always sort of like equal and opposite in force, maybe, mm. or inability or, you know, so if somebody did try something, the other ones think of a way to counter it.
1: Mm. And mm. it could be that their their habitats are so like uh, you wouldn't expect yeah. the aquatics to run across the, you know, the sloths as you call <laughs> yeah. them. right? Yeah, you know, they, they, right. They, yeah. they wouldn't have a lot of territorial disputes. And that's no. exactly, <laughs> like, you know, like be different parts of the planet. Sure. Well, um,
6: and the bugs would be underground, and so they could, yeah, presumably,
1: or at high altitudes. Like, how, yeah, yeah. There,
6: there, there'd be plenty of room if you think about Earth. Like, all right. the different right. animals tend to live somewhat cohesively in their different atmospheres, so they could mm-hmm. do that as well.
5: Mm-hmm. Oh o- yeah, the ocean life is very segregated from us, so it, it would be make sense that there was an intelligent life in the oceans. We would not have yes. a see, whole lot. What impact. I bought, yeah,
0: <laughs> that's true.
2: But I, yeah. I, I, I do think that getting to the point where they're at now and having a council of representatives from each of the five intelligent races is a really cool concept. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. a really really cool idea. Mm so i mean that to me is the strength of season three Mm -hmm. is developing that idea of having a race that is five separate species that have all developed you know in concert with each other i think Mm -hmm. that's super cool
3: yeah i think i agree with that because your point to your point the point you're making i think it's really awesome because they they're united group of people even though they're getting ready to do a horrible thing which is complete genocide of a species but they are and they are so different but they're united Right, and that is amazing. And then you see people like the Vulcans and the Andorians, who ostensibly are look way more alike than the Zindi species do, but they can't stand yeah. each other. Right, um, and, and I think that's, that's a, I think that's a good point about that. I have a question: is um, something that always troubled me, even though they make it work because they 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 blend it into the fabric of the show in terms of creating what ultimately is the Federation. And I think Enterprise in the main does an incredibly good job of showing us going out in the space and helping tie these other species together. You're talking about union, U- U- unity, Alan, as we, mm-hmm. at the end of the series, the Vulcans and the humans and Andorians and the Tellarites are together. Something that trolled me about this entire series, <laughs> season <laughs> is I, the, the fact that the Vulcans just kind of stood back. It was so weird to me that the Vulcans didn't invest heavily in helping save Earth, because at some point in time, they knew that Earth was fighting for the life of the entire species and the planet. And it was weird how aloof they seemed to be. I, I was really expecting the Vulcan to, I don't know, send a fleet and help out. They really didn't. That that was that was strange to me. And I couldn't figure out why the Vulcans were acting like that. You would have thought they said, wow, there's a species out there that even we don't know much about, and they're trying to destroy your entire planet. We'll help you out. So why were they like that?
2: Well, they had sent ships into the Expanse. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And they all went nuts, mm-hmm. so zombie. So I, I don't think that I think they were done with trying to penetrate the expanse. I think that they said we can't. This is not something that we can do. Mm.
3: But even on Earth and around Earth, I, you don't get the impression that the Vulcans like. What can we do to help you? They they still seem well, yeah, to be kind of kind of like you know you, you little that's, spoiled brat people. You're on your
2: that's totally the tone <laughs> that we've had from day one yeah. on Enterprise. Mm-hmm. So I don't I didn't I never thought of it being anything other than in character for them. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Even and on the it, original series, the Vulcans that we meet yeah. are consistently jerks.
5: <laughs> <laughs> well, in the fourth season, there is a story arc which deals yeah. with some of that political machinations. I don't know right. if you've yes. there yet, Chuck, but yeah. I, I've I've
1: seen all of season four before.
0: I have oh, okay. not.
5: Yeah. She has not. <laughs>
0: I was like let's watch season 4 and he's like let's watch something I else. need a break <laughs>
6: <laughs> keeping on going I know.
1: Yep.
0: <laughs>
6: yeah
1: well I mean let's talk about some individual individual episodes um, yes. I mean you get I mean you, they did a good job I think of mixing in the occasional like the cowboy episode
2: or yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know yeah, things yeah, like yeah. that
1: but for the most part yeah they, they pretty much stuck with the Zindi plot at least tied it into mm-hmm. most of the episodes yeah.
2: yes
5: yeah, even when they went uh, back, back to present-day Detroit, mm-hmm. they still tied it into the Zindi right storyline. Well, there yeah. were any individual episodes that jumped out at anybody that you felt was...
0: When the m- captain went ones? psycho and was like, prioritizing the Zindi bug babies over... The- yes,
3: <laughs> <laughs> that's incredible. Yeah. And, so, that and the Makos memorable.
0: were like, we're just going to follow the orders of the captain, even though he's prioritizing these little bugs that we're going to eventually kill when they grow up.
1: Yeah, see, I had a totally different perspective on that episode. Because, like, for me, like, Archer, every time there's an ethical dilemma, I feel like Archer's on the wrong side of it consistently throughout the series.
4: (laughs) Right. We're still
1: seeing that in the fourth season, yes. Yeah, and and in this case, you know, there was this, this these hatchlings from the Zendi, and at first when he was like, you know, we can't just abandon them to die.
0: Yeah. Even if it
1: jeopardizes our mission. I was like, yeah, there's a, he's becoming a Star Trek captain. You know, you got to do the right thing. And yeah. Everyone else in the ship is like, "Wow, the captain's making an ethically responsible decision. Something's wrong with him." And they were <laughs> right. <laughs> he, is under, he is under the influence of their
5: um, right. The, yeah uh-huh. and, and it
1: went yeah. that way, but I, I felt like it would have been a much more interesting story if there was no alien influence. If it was just the crew has to decide, and maybe they don't agree, like, should we jeopardize our mission, or should we let these, you know however many infants die?
2: Exactly. You know? It still exactly. would have been
5: nice if he had showered a few more times in that episode. He was looking really
3: crusty <laughs> at times in that episode. That's, that's, true. that's true. Wow, Charles, I see what you're saying. Though it's like the one episode where remember I forget the the episode. Remember the one episode where they were basically coming up on what was a little monitoring station, and they had to decide to kill the people on that station for the mission. Mm-hmm. And it was it was basically straight up. Well, there's another way to say it, it was straight up murder. And I don't well see murder has a nickname. Uh, murder has an ethical connotation, but it was a straight up of killing somebody. I remember, he there was a little struggle with that from obviously you know, do we do this? You know, because yep. basically you just killed some people who literally had done nothing to you, but it's that or the earth. Yeah, or when they
1: I mean stole Casey Biggs warp drive assembly yes. and left yes. him stranded for three years. I mean, he's gonna die. They have yep. ma- right. hammered it for a whole yeah. season that this place is full yeah. of pirates and anomalies and things. There's no other uh, exactly get out. exactly yep. and they just and ripped I, it off and, and left him to die. Yes. Well, we get they gave him some food, but then even like when that when this I mean in season four, do they mention? Hey, we went back and saved Casey Biggs and brought him the components he needed and said nope. sorry. No, they, they, they just, just have forgotten.
3: They just flew they off. Have. Yeah, because yeah. I think it could be argued that is. Uh, I was saying earlier about that the conversation. I think it could be argued that Archer has committed the most heinous act of all Starship captains in all Star yes. Trek series yeah. because that was that yeah. was the act of piracy. Yeah. Okay. Or when he, but or when
1: he tortured that guy, or yes. when he, oh, Or what that that
2: Sims brain to save trip. I mean, there's it's full of them. I'm sorry, but he is in a position where he feels like the entire fate of earth is on Uh his shoulders. He's out there by himself. There's no, like you're, you're basically cut off from Starfleet. There's no support. Mm -hmm. You have to do the job. If I don't do this job, earth is going to get blown up. There comes a point where you're going to do whatever you have to do. Well, maybe,
1: or maybe you do the right thing. Well, you know, I mean, it's like like the card said, if we're going to be damned, let's be damned for what we really are. You know, or like the Hawkins who are ready to die for their principles. But Archer doesn't have principles that he's willing to die for. He's (laughs) going to do whatever it takes to save the earth. And I think that 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 ties in with, I mean, it's basically just supporting uh, like the Bush policies after 9-11. I mean, it's, it's, it's well. It's, I mean, it's American patriotism. It's supporting the war in Iraq. It's supporting waterboarding. It's supporting yeah. the war on terror. And I think that that's mm. not the way Star Trek should have gone in that case.
2: Interesting.
3: And I, I agree with you. And I think that, I think that that's exactly why they took Archer down that path because they wanted to show mm-hmm. the things that we were doing at the time that were controversial and incredibly divisive in this country. Um, the fact that they used the captain to do it is, is. I think kind of bold because Roddenberry, had he been alive and, and been showrunner or over the show, would never let that happen even then. No, no. So I, I agree that it's, an, it's a bold move that they would do yeah. something like that. Um, I will say, and this is there will be no spoilers here, but what, what I do find interesting is jumping to the aftermath season four and stuff. One good thing at least about this is there is some self-reflection on Archer's part. Um, yeah, There is some knowledge of sure. I, became, mm-hmm. I became a monster, you know, the whole thing about becoming a thing you hate. But I got to say, of all the things I've seen and whenever you talk about a Starfleet officer going too far, pretty much the person that comes up is Cisco within the pale moonlight. And also when he's chasing mm-hmm. Commander Eddington, where he basically is going to destroy an entire planet's mm-hmm. biosphere. Yeah. But yeah, I think the piracy and the torture that Archer does is probably the worst I've ever seen. and Because it, it also smacks with even more desperation in some ways. Well, mm-hmm. he was desperate. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah,
3: yeah. No, but again, I I just yeah, say yeah. like the earth or your morals. What do you what would you, what would we do? The earth yeah. or your morals. Yeah. Right? That's a
5: tough one. If I was a earth citizen of the 22nd century, I would be damn glad that Archer had done <laughs> those things and saved the planet if I'm being honest.
2: Yeah. Right. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so so back to those highlight mm. episodes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like the 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 season started out well and I feel mm. like it kind of like there was some uninteresting episodes where they're like figuring out the anomalies and they're, Mm -hmm. you know, finding this regime lady and whatever. And that, that kind of goes up until episode seven, the shipment where Mm -hmm. they really start to get into the whole, like Zindi operation. They're trying to, they're infiltrating a place where part of the weapon is being built. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, That episode really is where the season kind of starts to take off. Mm. And then immediately the week Mm. after that, Twilight, I think, is a phenomenal Mm. episode. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Twilight, I agree. Absolutely. Twilight is one of those episodes that, you know, thanks to uh, Memento and stuff, is a a familiar Starfleet uh, um, science fiction theme. But done so well that it is, is an incredibly good episode. I agree. Yeah. I, I love yeah. everything about it. I love the fact that the Paul is highly indicated as pretty much having fallen in love with Archer. Um, you know, having you know, kind of taken care of him. Mm-hmm. And I love the fact that you have this ragtag fleet, to quote Battlestar Galactica, of humans. And the Zendi are still chasing them because there's <laughs> yeah. like they can't even let one Zindi be human <laughs> left behind and then, boy, they determined and focused. And boy, did the I started to say the founders, excuse me, the sphere builders really programmed them. <laughs>
5: the Guardians, I think they were called, weren't they? Is that what they the call what? them? The Guardians, I think.
3: Yeah, I think we Archer's crew at- called them the Sphere Builders because that's all they knew. But right, mm-hmm. they the, the, the look like uh, the founders from the Deep they Space do. Nine.
2: <laughs> yeah. So I feel like, I mean, and I love this season. Don't get me sure. wrong, I absolutely yep. love this season. But I feel like they 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 tried to get a little too esoteric with it, with mm-hmm. all the Sphere Builder thing and the mysterious person and mm-hmm. bringing yeah. Daniels back into it and all that stuff. I just feel like maybe they felt like they had to do that to stretch this out over 24 Mm. episodes or whatever it was. But I just feel like that sort of like watered down the concept a bit. It was almost like Mm -hmm. toward the end, it wasn't the Zendi doing this stuff because the Zendi are being manipulated to do this stuff by this, this, this amorphous figure. Well, that's kind of
1: tying in with the themes. Enterprise had the first two seasons as well. Right. Uh, Right only it's not
2: future guy. I don't know what happened to future guy, but he wasn't in this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I felt like after having future guy, this was just too similar. Right. Yeah.
3: And you know, know, that all comes from the unfortunate fact that when this series was greenlit, that the entire temporal cold war and everything around it was something that the network forced on Burnman and Braga. They didn't want to do the temporal cold war. They didn't want to do the future guy stuff. The network said, you better do this. So they still kept incorporated because I agree with you. I, I didn't find that Daniels and all that stuff all that interesting, honestly.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I, I I do think that the needing it to be twenty-four or whatever episodes does hurt this season. I feel like you could have tightened this thing up
2: considerably. Oh, but right. that,
1: that wasn't their choice. Yeah, that's yeah. that's how television was made at that time. Exactly. Right. Exactly.
2: Yeah. yeah. So who else has some standout episodes? Um what was the one where they had to go through the the well,
5: they it wasn't a wormhole exactly, but they encountered the enterprise that had gone back East in time. Square. Yeah, and they had mm-hmm. the uh the generationship with the future generations yeah. on the enterprise. That was pretty good, I thought. Yeah, I like that one.
2: <laughs> yeah, that one is like uh that one's the number 21, so that one's four from the end.
5: Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, I I like Her, the actor who played um Trippin' to Paul's son.
4: Yeah, I thought, I thought
1: he was good, yeah. and I thought that. I, yeah. I mean, I just like that sort of sci-fi story anyway. It's kind of children of time, but a little exactly. more immediate because he, yeah, you know, he's one generation removed from them, even though he's 117 years old or whatever.
4: Yeah. <laughs> right.
1: Yeah.
3: And of course, it's an easy answer. But this is a season that has the famous Vulcan zombie episode. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That, that happened to come out like Halloween week.
4: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I, I it did like that show.
1: Yeah, I did like the one where they um, they just showed up that like Zindi scientist's house and it felt very domestic. It's just like, yeah, we're from space and you're trying to destroy our planet. What's up? And he's like, oh, yeah, on? yeah. On?
3: <laughs> really?
1: Yeah, I yeah. thought that was cool.
3: Um, that- Charles, you mentioned one earlier. I don't really love even though it is one of the I would say without a doubt, one of the top five Enterprise episodes discussed by people all the time that they love. I don't love the one where they created Sim. Oh, really? Yeah. The reason I don't love it is because in this case, for me, it feels okay. In science fiction, you gotta let them kind of contrive a plot so that they can discuss it, right? I mean you have that's what you have to let them do. It's kind of like we were saying the whole Zendi art, the start of it makes no sense. But the thing with sim to me becomes so obvious. It's kind of like, oh guess what? I happen to have this thing that can create a clone of a human and it'll be okay because blah, blah, blah. Then, oh, guess what? We're going to have to kill it. It's, it, it right. almost felt like, it's almost like they sat down and said, we need to do a really controversial show. <laughs> that's just going to really tug at the morality. Yeah. And I can see them steering the show to the, the moral quandaries. That one troubles me. I think almost more than Archer being a pirate because they created a mm-hmm. being literally to save another being. I have a huge problem with that episode. And yeah, and, because what he did I don't think he should have done. Mm-mm. I don't know if McCoy or Crusher would have done that. But we also know what I think is cool is I think Flocks has slightly more flexible medical ethics than some of our other well, doctors. Just not literature. human. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah.
6: Right, yeah.
2: Right. They they and, they felt like they needed a Tuvix.
5: Right. We we have yeah, to have a Tuvix.
3: Exactly. Right.
5: <laughs> Well, I created a teaser that Elaine was not happy with uh, when they they, went, they showed Tucker's body apparently being a funeral. Elaine was not happy with the beginning of that. Yeah, race.
2: that really? <laughs> what what was really like time for all of us.
3: <laughs> did y'all like that episode with the with the whole trip calling Elaine and Matt? What did y'all think about that episode?
5: I I actually <laughs> liked it. I, I kind of mm. wish that Paul had kept her interest in the sim and not in the real trip. I have a problem with the whole trip to Paul thing, but uh, um. <laughs> interesting. Well, that,
6: well, well the, the, the sim came in and said, I have feelings for you, but I don't know if it's my feelings yep. or if it trips feelings. And right. so I don't know what to do with it. And yep. so he, he should have just kept his mouth shut. So then when he's gone, then there can still be that weird, whatever going on between <laughs> trip and to <T'Pol>. Paul <laughs>
4: You know, He's like a I'm week
1: not, old. I I really, you
6: know.
4: <laughs> um.
1: interesting. Well, what that's did that's you, I mean, what do we think about uh, the, the trip into Paul relationship generally in the way it was handled? Cause that's a big part of the series of the season.
5: Yeah. Uh, it felt, it felt a little gratuitous to me. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it, 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 they want, they had like the I guess the two sexiest characters on the show, and so they had to show them getting it on for
2: whatever.
6: It wasn't as bad as the dec- decontamination shower scene, <laughs> though. Those, See, are <laughs> like, oh
2: my Exactly, and
3: the skin and max
2: <laughs> And I remember making that comment when you guys were doing your watch through, and you were doing mm-hmm. your your live booking. You know, as you're watching that episode and I was like, at least if they're going to do that, at least in this one, it makes story sense. Trip is having nightmares. Trip can't sleep. She yeah. has the ability to like do neuropressure, whatever. It right. makes sense. The right. whole that whole like decontamination thing where they slather <laughs> each other with <laughs> body oil and stuff is so unnecessarily gratuitous. Right. This yeah. at least had a story purpose to it. Right. I'm not saying it wasn't gratuitous. I'm just saying uh, it, uh, it. and you, know you,
6: know, could, you uh, could conceivably see if you that intimate, even though it's not romantic. Intimate to start yeah. with that you, you could see how they would develop feeling for each other because that what sure, can happen yeah. if you keep touching
2: each other like yeah, that of was, course you <laughs> can see that
3: because look at them. I know <laughs> right. yeah. and, and I, and I think I think I agree with y'all because what happened is there's you can be sexy, but every time they inserted that kind of sexuality, it came off more like um, the teen the mm-hmm. teen sex comedies from the eighties yeah. because yeah. Yeah. You could have the fact that the neural pressure and just the fact that they're getting closer together, you can have it where it develops a relationship and sexual tension between them. That's one thing. But the things like when the Mako lady started doing the neural pressure, the sex dreams and stuff like that, it always yeah. felt a little bit too too, um, yeah, bad, like bad comedy, sex comedy, like you know, Avengers yeah. <laughs> or something like that. And so it always felt like they were becoming gratuitous again. And I never understood why they grafted it on like that. Well, like. Um, yeah.
5: Like uh, the morning after, after they had their first official coitus, as Sheldon would say on Big Bang Theory, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, after they had done that, uh, they, had the, that she, where, where they had the conversation in the mess hall and she told them that she was just wanting to explore human sexuality. Then she took a little furtive sip of the uh, from the tea or the cup and they everybody's used that in their <laughs> gifts and gifts. <things>. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
4: <laughs>
3: Hey, Charles, if we did like some shows where you just organically let a term come up and you name the episode, this would be the, <laughs> way the coitus podcast. podcast. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I read an interesting quote that I, this may surprise you guys. Uh, I think that Jolene Belaylock does some of her best acting in the series because she's mm-hmm. managed to do so much. Does the whole mm-hmm. stuff? Mm-hmm. The, what's the name of the material that makes her start losing her control? William D. Yeah, the trillion D, the whole thing with Trip, the whole thing with all this other stuff. Jolene Blaylock Mm -hmm. did not like the emotional to Paul. She Mm -hmm. felt that they should have kept to Paul more of what she considered to be a pure Vulcan, and she didn't like being asked to become more emotional. She didn't like Mm -hmm. the, you know, the trip, the kissing, and some of the stuff where T'Pol lost her emotional control. I find it fascinating because some people love what they asked her to do. Mm -hmm. She didn't want to do it on that level. Wow.
2: Yeah.
5: I wish they hadn't continued on more than an episode or two because they, they kept Mm -hmm. that going for a whole half season or so. Yeah. um, Yeah.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah, I, I do like Trippin' to Paul. I mean, I agree with you. Mm. I, I mean, I always feel the same way about the Enterprise sexuality. It's like a 12 year old wrote it. And that, that's from the <laughs> beginning of Enterprise. You know, when, when they're ooing and aahing over the ladies eating butterflies, you know, it just goes for the whole show. <laughs>
4: oh, Gosh. right. And, it, and it's, I
1: mean, she, she could very easily have taught them Vulcan meditation techniques. They don't have to take off all their clothes and massage each other. But, right. know, I mean, we know why they're doing that. But yeah. as the relationship, once it got to the point where it developed into a relationship, yeah. I really like them. I like their interplay. I think they're two of the best actors. On the show, yeah, and yeah. Paul and Flox are my two favorite Enterprise characters. With Tripp as the number three, so I, I think that yeah, they work well as a couple. And I think that as a just as a, a relationship, even as a will they won't they, and I'm not even that big a fan of will they won't theys, mm, but I too. think it works for these two because one's an alien, you know.
5: <laughs> well, I'm I not think. And I'm not I think- hating it as much as uh, I'm sorry uh, I was gonna say I'm not hating it as much now that they're in sort of the they still have the feelings but they're not doing anything and he and, and they're they're jealous but they don't want to say they're jealous I'm actually kind of liking this bit mm-hmm. of it
2: in in season 4 you mean
5: yes yes
2: yeah and and that was what i was going to say is that i i like the way that it continued on into season 4 i think that and you're going to see uh, more developments in that as you get farther into the season but and i think that it it was a really well developed relationship it's mm-hmm. it felt organic
6: well yeah. i i think the the episode the the e squared like where they see the future i think that kind yeah. of helped them tone down some of the weird sexuality, but okay, so we may at some point have a actual real relationship where we have a child, and so maybe we ought to you know, be kind of cool around each other and not be so weirdly awkward every time we bump into each other in the hallway. You know, and actually, well, stop
1: stripping down and massaging your coworkers.
4: <laughs>
6: and that and, makes and it that weird. And <laughs> actually, like, like, quit, quit doing that, and, then, and like, that all went it Right, sort of like that episode was kind of like, oh, maybe we do like each other. Maybe we ought to quit. You know, being yeah awkward yeah. people. You know, so that was, right, that was a good episode for them. Yeah. Yeah,
3: Before we lose time, um, before we lose time, um, what did y'all think about how the whole story arc ended? The end of the series, the season, and the end of the story. What did y'all think about that? The aftermath. I will tell you. I don't say the same. I can't stand the aftermath. What happened? Nazis? Are we talking about that? God, God. yes. I can't. Yeah. The the (laughs) the aftermath with the Nazis, I can't stand. But I, I thought the ending was great. What did y'all think about the ending?
0: I, I forgot what the ending was. Yeah,
1: they made the bad guy ship go
5: boom.
4: <laughs> well,
5: yeah. the, the, fight <laughs> scene, the fight scene between Archer and the uh, reptilian leader was very satisfying, uh, especially yeah. the way that fight ended. Yeah, Nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it ends up...
1: I mean, before even J.J. Abrams came along, there's a death ray, <laughs> and there's a lot of gangplanks <laughs> with no railings are jumping around and punching each other. And, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, that, that they're doing the Star Wars thing, but that's fine. Right. It's a big epic ending to the thing you know like
4: yeah.
1: but the, <laughs> but for the record Discovery and J.J. Abrams didn't start that
3: yeah so did, right. y'all, did y'all find the, the ultimate the, the, the ending of the Zindi art did you find it satisfying no
1: I, I like okay. that they I like that they pulled the strings of the Zindi council and managed to turn the Zindi against each other and that was their yes. weakness that yes. right. they already have mm-hmm. all these animosities and distrust among them that that's right. the way to beat them is to get them to start turning on each other and I think exactly. that exactly.
6: That's the hardest Get like. rid of the this fear builder, mm-hmm. ladies. The the guardian.
4: Right. To, to get rid right. of
6: them too, because
4: mm-hmm.
6: it, it was because of them that everything was happening. Well, right what, a,
5: what, what a little detail I'm confused about um, is at the end of it, right before the cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they're in the uh, Zindi ship. I think it's one of the aquatic right. ships that, and they're inside it, and they get you know they go through the the thing you know and they come out and they're in earth in the 1940s
3: does that mean that zindi ship was in the 1940s also when it exploded i think it blew up
5: uh, okay I, okay
3: it okay. blew up and i think uh, i think what they're saying is that all the forces blew the enterprise back uh but okay. not the zindi ship itself Okay, okay, I missed that bit. Okay. And then yeah, the whole Nazi God, God the whole Nazi <laughs> thing.
1: It does the Nazi thing does feel tacked on, especially the one yeah. in the Nazi outfit. But the yeah. scene yeah. where they <laughs> try to shuttle pod down and World War II ships are planes start firing at them bullets.
5: I think yeah. that, that sequence is pretty cool. Yeah. yeah that's very tomorrow is yesterday to me. I yeah. feel very tomorrow is yeah.
3: yesterday. Right. Yeah. Well, Veronica, what? you said you didn't like it. How was that?
0: Because it, there wasn't really an ending. It just kind of like
2: meh. I I kind of agree with that. I kind of feel like tacking on that that alien Nazi thing, robs the 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 audience and the characters of any kind of like meaningful yes whatever you call it resolution. Yeah. I just felt all like right. I just felt like they were getting to a point where they they mm-hmm. could finally like whew, okay it's all done. We have mm-hmm. to like deal with the aftermath of all this stuff. Yeah. Yank rug yeah. comes out yeah. from under your feet, and here we have. Alien. I mean, and I know they felt like they needed a you know, after a season like they had just done, they needed Mm -hmm. a cliffhanger to get you into. But it didn't have to be that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I agree. (laughs) Well, after
1: talking about Earth being in danger and saving Earth in every single episode for 24 episodes, you need to see Earth safe at the end.
2: You do. You absolutely do. Yeah. Right. The characters need to. The audience needs to. You need that sort of You've you've held your breath for an entire season, and especially those last four episodes are so mm-hmm. fast paced and yes. so like gripping and so intense that you just need that exhale.
3: You're right, right Alan, because I think about the whole thing. Remember that when the when the Enterprise crew agreed to destroy one of the, with the spheres, and the crew is literally almost dying, their skin peeling because yep. they're in that space, yep. and the box is trying to hold them together. And yeah. then um, Hoshi, who had been who, other than Travis, was the most underused character on the show, they they brought her more into the show, made her stronger, uh, needed her genius to help decode Mm -hmm. the the, the code for the weapon. And right. I agree with y'all because even though it's an incredibly cliched scene, it was an exciting scene with archers running down the catwalk in slow motion. <laughs> and I mean, oh my God, you've seen that a million times, but it was so cool. And I was like, oh my God. And then they thought he died. And of course we knew he didn't die, but it was, yeah. it, I agree with you, it would have been great yeah. if they had explored that. And then next thing you got Nazis. Uh, <laughs> it's such a letdown, but up until that point, it was awesome. Um, right. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Um one quick thing I'll say and I'm done is quickly I love the fact that y'all are talking about the, the the insectoid. I love the fact when the insectoid toward the end was kind of like, hey, wait a minute. And he starts questioning a reptilian general, he just blows the ship out of
4: the sky. Because <laughs> he's really yeah. able.
2: <laughs> yeah. Oh. That was like that was such a good season.
3: Yeah. I,
5: I, I love, love how badly the Enterprise got got um. Damaged those last few episodes. You really got to feel yes. that ship was hanging together by a thread. Yes. There were right. they go in rooms, and the rooms would have girders hanging down. There was yes. inoperative. I mean, you could tell the disruption to their routine. You could tell the. You could tell yes. just how bad a shape they were in.
3: Right. Only exactly. Uh, uh, only voyager your hell has uh, come close to
2: that that's what i was going to say <laughs> and then they yeah. did the magic erase button at the end yes yeah. yeah. that's <laughs> what that's what voyager should have been for 7 years that ship should have gotten more and more damaged and more and more mm-hmm. like unusable right. not not suddenly but gradually over those 7 years where you have to have makeshift repairs and you have to do whatever you have to do and exactly. they just didn't do that Right. Yeah. Anyway, that's a different subject.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so overall, right. positive or negative
1: on third season? Uh I think it's I mean, I enjoyed the watch. I don't think it's, it's okay. It's still my least favorite Star Trek series. I think this is probably okay. I mean, this season is probably the most conservative Star Trek season. Mm-hmm. Um you've got the it's it's a the the white guys up front and the minority characters barely have speaking yeah. roles, and it's Portrait very like pro-Bush war on terror. I mean, mm. I think when, when, mm. when people complain about Star Trek being woke and people say, well, it's mm. always been woke. Where have you been? Well, they've been watching Enterprise Season 3. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> okay. What about you, Alan? Same thing? You feel the
2: oh, same? Oh, I still
3: oh, 100% love it. How about you, Elaine? I, I enjoyed it, yeah. And you, Matt?
5: Yeah, it's my favorite season so far. And halfway through 4, 4 has got to got to make up a lot to equal Season 3. I think. Wow. Yeah. 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 yeah.
2: Have you I before, format. Show. No,
5: this is entirely okay. new for me for four.
2: Ooh, okay, exciting. Oh, yeah, nice. I, I do want. I do want to say that I do like that season four begins with this whole new like era of um, xenophobia on Earth because they've just yes. been through an attack, right. you know. And it's so I, I like that there was some um, cultural. Carryover from mm-hmm. there was an effect that was felt yes. from the attack. Very I much that was smartly done. Very
0: impressive. For, very yeah. post
2: 9 yeah. 11 America, really.
5: Yeah.
0: Right.
2: right. Exactly.
5: Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Cool. All right. Elaine, where
1: can people find more of you?
6: Um, You can find me on Facebook and Twitter Um, and Monkeying Around.
1: <laughs> How about you, on Matt? Twitter
6: at Monkeying Around on Facebook. At monkeying around and mm. at monkeying around podcast at gmail.com.
5: <laughs>
1: and how about you, Matt?
5: I'm <laughs> uh, very active on Facebook. On the, uh, I sometimes can, uh, write stuff on Earth Station Trek. Uh, also, uh, anybody who listens and wants to send me a friend uh, request, as long as you're not a bot, I'll accept it. And uh, <laughs> you can follow <laughs> Elaine and me as we watch through the episodes uh, live as we watch them.
2: <laughs> right on. Awesome. Hey, Matt, are you going to do a, your ranking of uh, original series season two sometime soon?
5: Well, we have or to watch you, it first. You're, yeah. you're going
2: to do your rewatch <laughs> of that? Okay.
5: Yeah, as soon as we finish Enterprise, we're going to go back into Star Trek and we're going to hit up season two pretty quick. So, yeah.
1: Sweet. Awesome. Sweet. Awesome. And over the next couple of weeks, we'll have a couple of, I mean, we're going to appearances, basically. Like by, um, Next Thursday, we won't be going live, but we will have our crossover beginning with the cosmic pizza podcast on yes. February the 3rd, hey. our, the, our podcast episode will air where we had, we talked, we had a, lo- a long and good talk with the, the, uh, the cosmic pizza crew. <laughs> That's a lot of words to get out <laughs> about the doctors of Star Trek. I thought we had a great conversation. I believe they're yes. planning to release their end of a, of uh, a conversation we had with them about possibilities of extraterrestrial life in the universe on February the 8th. And okay. then, um, february the 9th that's nice. thursday february the 9th we'll be yes. going live for the captain picard week podcast festival and that'll that's be on it. the strange new pod youtube and um feeds so nice. we'll be posting links and reminders and all that i wanted to mention it now though so that we no live stream next week but um you will we will have a podcast episode uh on friday february the 3rd we look forward to right on all right al where can people find more of you
2: Well, I have another podcast called Modern Musicology, where we talk about all kinds of different music topics. We have done Beatles shows and shows about metal and shows about the the best and worst second albums ever and all kinds of stuff. So join in on that. It's a lot of fun. And you can go to CosmicPress.com, K-O-Z-M-I-C-Press.com to see everything else.
3: And how about you, Keith? You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, primarily the ESO Network Facebook groups. And how about us, Veronica?
0: Feltnerdy.com. And Monkeying Around, a podcast about the monkeys with okay. Elaine Sweatman. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> and, and do you have a closing for us this week?
0: No. Oh, no, <laughs>
2: every time you come to that question and then it's dead silence. I know. A that, that moment of anticipation, this usually comes through. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Ooh, baby. thank you for listening to earth station trek if you enjoyed the show please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform give us a positive rating you can also send us feedback at earthstationtrek@gmail.com. trek at gmail.com you can join in the fun on our facebook group or follow us on twitter you can also visit us online at earthstationtrek.podbean.com. we'll see you next time live long and prosper